I hope you enjoyed singing the Gloria and the Alleluia because because we won't be doing that for a little while because Lent is coming. Ash Wednesday is this week. The, uh, so we want, want to talk a little bit about Lent and how it looks different. The purpose of Lent, there, there are a bunch of purposes to it, but the two that I want to draw your attention to, number one, Lent is for preparing for the joy, the feast of Easter. And number two, Lent is the time to fight evil. Okay, prepare for the joy of Easter and to fight evil. So because we're, we're focused on those things, there, there are things that look different during Lent. So the music at Mass will be one thing. Like I said, we won't have the Gloria or the Alleluia. And then, of course, we, we, we live differently. Our, like our practices, they, they change also. We focus on prayer and fasting and, and almsgiving. So I just want to talk for a moment about music at Mass. This is kind of a, tags on nicely to what we talked about last week. For Lent, not only no Gloria and Alleluia, but um, there will be uh, there's there's like a real minimizing of the instruments also. So we've had like an oboe and a flute lately, and it's been wonderful. But those two go away for Lent. The uh, Even the piano is, is minimized. It isn't less music. It isn't less singing. But like there's no little interludes to fill in spaces and stuff. There's more silence. It, all of that's there just to support the singing. Maybe the biggest reminder, the starkest thing that will, will, will remind us that we're in Lent is that during these Sundays of Lent, there will be no closing hymn. So that means, you know, the priest says, go in peace, thanks be to God. The priest and the servers line up and they process out. And you might reach for your hymnal or, or whatever, but it'll just be silence. And then, and then they'll walk out for the end of Mass. It will be, it could be like super awkward in the beginning. I don't know if you've been at a parish that did this before, but it's very, it's very good for Lent. The, we, we just have this tendency when we get there, in the silence, to fill it somehow. So probably this is where all of a sudden everybody everybody has something in their throat, and we all because <clears throat> we can't take it, you know. But the, it's it's supposed to be a reminder of how we run from silence and how much we need it. So there's nothing to do. There's no need to fill. It's a holy silence, and we want to enter into it. And actually, like I told you last week, you know that that uh, one person who's who's not Catholic who's brought to brought to the parish one time and said that the simple, sincere, loving singing made a big impact on her. Um, there was somebody else who, who told me that what they, what they love about coming to Mass, they're not, they're not Catholic, but what they love about coming to Mass is that it's still and quiet and paced. It's prayerful in that way. So, yes, yeah, so there will be no closing hymn. And one more thing is we're going to focus a little bit more on the antiphons, okay, or the propers. So we already do these. It's the, this is this little section of scripture that is sung just before the opening hymn and then at communion time, just before the communion hymn. Um, I don't know if, if, if anybody ever explained these to you before, but what the antiphons are, are these specific sections of scripture. They're, they're chosen especially for, for a certain day. They're the same around the world and they're part of like the whole package of this, this like the mass for today. There's the prayers that the priest says, and there's the readings and, and the psalm that we just heard. <clears throat> and then there's the antiphons too. And so over centuries, all of this gets formed and paired together in different ways. And it's on purpose. So just like, um, you know, we're, we're, used to, we're used to having the standard four hymns. The entrance, the offertory, the communion, and then at the end. So it, it takes some getting used to, to get used to having antiphons here. But just like we wouldn't replace the first reading with a poem, no matter how beautiful... We, we, we can't skip out on the divine word 
in the antiphons for human words in the hymns, you know? So that's why, that's why we, we were putting those there. They've always been there. Some, for, for, for a lot of people, they feel new because for a little while we just said hymns only and forget about the antiphons. But they've always been there and they are rich and beautiful. So what do we do? How do you, how do you use the antiphons? It's a combination of listening and singing and repeating. Okay, so it's a little bit like a golf swing. I don't play golf, so this is the most insincere, like trying to relate with you ever. But anyway, I've heard with a golf swing that, uh, that, that you practice it a lot and that you repeat the same motion over and over. That's why you go to a driving range because you don't want the mechanics of it, the technique, to just be in your head, but you want it to be in your body. You want to get it into your muscle memory. So this is the same thing that we do with these little sections of scripture that we repeat and sing. We, we want to absorb them, let them soak into our bones and enter into our hearts. You, you, everybody has this experience where somebody says something, usually it's a bad thing, usually it's like a negative thing. An interaction at work, or if you're, you know, if you, if you, if you work in, like, a, a, in retail, then somebody, some interaction with a customer, or a short interaction with your spouse or something, something hurts you, and it gets stuck in our minds, and it just rolls around there for hours or for days even, and then it comes back and we're angry again. And when it's in there, it has a big impact on us, you know? Like it changes what we might say or what we might do because it's got a hold on us. So if this is the impact of some negative human word, then this is why we love the antiphons. What could be the impact of the divine word that sits in our minds and rolls around in there through the day or through the week. This is one reason why it's put to music, not just to make it beautiful, but to also to make it memorable. So it's, it's also good to ask, because it's all on purpose, it's good to ask, why this section of scripture? What's the connection? Why does this get paired with these readings or with these prayers? So the one at the beginning of Mass today, be my protector, O God, a mighty stronghold to save me, for you are my rock, my stronghold. Lead me, guide me for the sake of your name. If that just gets stuck in your head and you're repeating it to yourself over and over, like, what, what, what would it change? If you got stuck in traffic and you were really annoyed and that rolled through your head, it'll change, it'll change your life. It'll transform things, you know? So this is, this is what we hold on to with the antiphons. We'll use the same tone all through Lent, okay? The same melody and then put it to different words so that it becomes familiar, so it's not hard, so that we will learn new words, but, but the, the melody will, will just be in us. For me, the, antiphon, the antiphons, like this kind of repetitive praying of scripture, it sticks with me all day and it is a real source of nourishment for me. So you, you, can, you can pay attention to that. That's starting Ash Wednesday, a greater focus on these antiphons that we have. Okay, here's one thing about Lenten practices because Ash Wednesday is coming up quick and um, maybe you've thought about it already or maybe not, but we focus in Lent on prayer and fasting and almsgiving. And here's why. For 40 days, Jesus fasted and prayed in the wilderness in order to face the devil. Jesus comes as a warrior to defeat evil and to set captives free. And his weapons are prayer and fasting and works of mercy, service to the poor. So we heard in the second reading today, St. Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Jesus Christ. Lent is not 
I don't know how you think of it, but Lent is not really, the point of Lent is not to avoid chocolate and make ourselves feel bad about our mediocre discipleship. The point of Lent is to join Jesus, the conquering warrior, in this battle against evil, using the same powerful weapons that he uses. Lent is a time when the church focuses on assault. And if Jesus fasted to overcome the devil, then so will I. So as you think about what you will do, what kind of practices or habits you want to do for this Lent, I think there are three approaches. So I'm just going to give this to you to think about as you, as you come up with your own way of facing Lent, of entering into and, and going through Lent. The first one is probably the most common, and that's to, to pick up some sort of practice or habit for Lent only, for those 40 days. So it could be this Lent, I will pray the Stations of the Cross each week. That's great. Or this Lent, I will fast from alcohol for those 40 days. Awesome. And then when Lent is over, then we kind of go back to our normal life. It's a great thing. We're grow, we, we grow in it. We're, we're changed by it. But it's just for Lent. Okay, that's the first way. The second way is to use Lent, this focus time and the motivation and the spiritual help that it gives us to form a new habit that continues past Lent. So it could be this Lent, I want to I pray the rosary every day. But the point is that we develop the habit over these 40 days. What is it? It takes like 21 days to form a habit. We use these 40 days to form a habit that then continues after Lent. That's a great thing too. Okay, the third way though is like a new, it, it's like a new surrender or a new dedication. It's to take an area of our life that we already have. We don't have to add anything to it. Some area of our life that is kind of separate from God right now and to give that to him. Like what would it be like if your commute to and from work each day, if this was a time that was dedicated to God or whatever, whatever else, work or your finances or your leisure time or your parenting. Like these are areas where we don't think of these as like holy times or we don't think of these as like times to be with the Lord and to serve him. So it's really good during Lent to pick out, okay, here's this area of my life. It's every day or it's every week. It's very routine, but it's not really a place of closeness with God. I never thought of it as part of following him. And we take that and we just say, Lord, whatever this is, my 20 minutes of commute, I offer this to you. I do this for your glory. Again, just like we were talking about how, how scripture changes things when scripture is rolling around in our minds for the antiphons, how different would it be if you, if you approached it in that way? Our behavior will change, our attitude, the, the, the way that we receive things, the way that we interpret things also. All these things can be, can be holy times, times where we're close to the Lord, we grow in love with him, and we're open to receive the, what he wants to do in our lives also. So Lent is for preparing for the joy of Easter and for fighting evil. And as you, as you look at this Lent that's coming up, there are these, the, these three approaches that we can take. We can come up with something just for Lent. We can use Lent to form a new habit that hopefully lasts all of our lives. Or we can take a part of our lives that already exists and give that to the Lord and make it something holy, a sacrifice for his glory.